As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Well, thanks for listening to the LCR Media Podcast, where we get to know the pros. I'm your host, LCR Naylor Taliaferro. And on today's IBG episode, I wanted to touch upon two topics that I've been thinking about. Haven't had the time for one reason or another to actually sit down and discuss these these topics, but they're things that, that I deal with in some cases every day or at least every month and definitely over the years in my lawn care, my lawn maintenance business. Um, and I think I've addressed them probably in the past a little bit um, on my YouTube channel at Lawn Care Rookie and addressed some of these things, maybe made some dedicated videos to them. So I just, you know, com- decided to combine the two in today's episode, um, you know, that they're, they're not they're not necessarily worth talking about a whole, you know, dragged out episode about them. So I'll just try and keep it, you know, straight to the facts and, and my experiences um, and go from there. But what it is and what the two topics are is commercial. Well, obviously you, you, you clicked on it. You probably saw the, the title there, but you know, it's just to reiterate, it's commercial versus residential. So commercial property versus residential properties. Again, just talking about lawn maintenance because that's what my business is uh, primarily all about. I've done a lot of other miscellaneous things um, the first couple of years, like so many folks just trying to get their foot in the door and figure out what they want to do, what they can do, what, you know, type of equipment's required for different things and kind of just find your own sweet spot for your your area and and so on. So for me, it was lawn maintenance. I tried a bunch of landscaping maintenance and things like that. I never did hardscaping or anything above and beyond, you know, the lawn and landscape realm, um, but, you know, or irrigation or anything like that. But uh, I, I found that I really Going into it, I knew that I enjoyed lawn, the lawn maintenance part as a homeowner, um, you know, take care of my own yard. So I really just wanted to focus on that from a business perspective, since that's where, where my passion was and I had the most experience in and, and could continue that experience and could continue learning more about all of that. Uh, and just the other things just never, never really interested me as much. But obviously there's some other things like landscape maintenance, like trimming shrubs and putting down mulch and things like that, you know, limbing up some trees and cleaning up debris from storms and all that. That's kind of falls in the softscaping, I guess you would say, light landscaping uh, maintenance, but no, no planting things or ripping things out or you know, like creating mulch beds from scratch. I've been there, done all of that, but that's just not stuff that I want to focus on. I focus on the lawn maintenance, which is mowing, fertilization, weed control, aerating and seeding in the fall. You got leaf cleanups, of course, throughout the fall. 
Um, and then in the spring now we're also offering uh, dethatching. So kind of like the whole year round as much as we can here in central Virginia, the Midlothian, Richmond, Virginia area, um, as, as much as much year round as you can be. Right. So but anyway, so that everything that I'm discussing now and and basically every episode, unless it's I have a guest that you know has some other experiences from other parts of the industry like hardscaping or uh, hardcore landscaping and things like that, um, irrigation and so on, you know, I'll, I will lead to them being the experts or the experienced folks talking about that because they live it every day in their business. Where when I'm just talking about specific topics in my, my in-between guest episodes like today, I'm focusing on my you know, my experiences with my business. So that's law maintenance. So um, in addition to commercial versus uh, residential you know, law maintenance accounts. I also wanted to kind of dip into and end up with the right, my opinion of what's the right way to, to have payments, to take payments from your, from your clients. Um, there's a lot of different methods out there, a lot of different forms of payment. So I'll, I'll just, I'll touch upon that briefly. And then my experiences and what I think is the, is the best way to go, especially for those of you that are just starting out listening to this podcast, or if you, you know, just struggling like for the, for over the years or thinking that, that, that whatever you're doing is, is the way that everyone else does it, or you don't know what else or, you know, whatever, like I've been there, done that as well. And social media is great for helping you kind of see outside of your own bubble. Uh, you know, you, you can kind of see other people going through similar challenges and having similar successes, um, or having their own unique situations that are, that can maybe prepare you in case you, have those situations or maybe help you avoid your own situations that are, you know, their, ver your version of their situation. So that's kind of the beauty of social media and this community is really just coming together and helping each other out, shortening the learning curve. There's obviously lessons that we have to go through. We still have to know how to do a lot of things. We can't shortcut anything, but we can really progress our industry and our, you know, like our lives and ultimately the world, if we can just communicate with each other, help each other, have a brotherhood, sisterhood, build a strong community in this industry, as well as many others around the world to just help each other grow. And uh, that's, that's, that's really to, to me what, what it's all about being on social media for. I enjoy creating the content as well. I, I'm an art, I have an artistic mindset. I went to school for, for art and everything. So I'm kind of a creator by default, um, whether, whatever that is, whether it's painting, drawing, you know, making YouTube videos or podcasts, you know, it's all the creative process for, for me, uh, content's content, whether you're, like I said, producing a drawing or painting or, or you're producing something on video or audio, that's all content. And I enjoy doing that. Uh, but I also enjoy the connection that all of this through social media, that social media brings with all of that content creation. All right. So enough about that. <clears throat> <laughs> so commercial versus residential for the longest time. And, and all this is still, still true. Uh, but for the longest time I was really trying hardcore to get commercial properties because I thought it would be and felt it would be and, and still do again to my original point, you know, a minute ago, uh, it's, it's a, it's a good way to have more year round work here in central Virginia. Like I was saying, um, where, where I'm located, we, we don't get a whole lot of snow. So like it's, it's, it's too cold for anything to grow, but it's not whatever, not cold enough, I guess, or just not enough cold precipitation enough 
throughout the winter season, which is only a couple of months really, um, where nothing's growing type deal and nothing to do where we get us not enough snow. You know, we, we might get, I think our average snowfall is like nine inches or something like that a year. I mean, sometimes we get that just in one snowfall and then we're, and then we're done. You know, we might get a couple of dustings here and there, maybe half an inch to an inch here and there. And that's nothing unless you have commercial properties, which there's obviously a gazillion of in every town and city and state in the country. But I don't, I didn't ever pursue that, you know, maybe one day I will, but there's a lot of levels and a lot of layers there, you know? So to, to get to that point. Um, a lot of people may, you know, have some, some connections there and kind of stumbled into it or inherited some things, you know, from other folks and family and whatever, and, and, and had those opportunities right out the gate to be able to buy a plow and, and just, you know, go to town, you know, from, from year one or whatever, taking care of some parking lots, um, when it does snow, because, you know, commercial, usually it's like a zero trigger. So around here, um, around here, yeah, I, I was going to say probably everywhere, but no, I don't think it is. I think, you know, some of the more northern states might be like a two inch trigger or something like that. It's like, hey, if you can't get through, you know, an inch, like you got problems, you know, up there. Right. So here <laughs> it's like we, we get, you know, an inch and everyone's like in ditches and slamming into each other. It's 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 a nightmare. Like it's not that serious. But for some reason, whenever it rains around here or we get a dusting to an inch of snow, it's like the whole world comes to an end and people forget how to drive and there's sirens everywhere. I'm like, good grief. It's like, you, you can pretty much predict it. It's like right on cue. I'm like, man, goodness. So anyway, so it's, it's a, it's a zero trigger pretty much everywhere here for commercial properties they, they you know, if there's any precipitation whatsoever, any snowflakes falling or predicted to fall, you know, you're putting, you're pre-treating the parking lots, you know, and then you're putting salt down as soon as any snowflakes start to fly. And then if you get, you know, an inch or two or whatever, then, then you're, you're putting the plows down and you're plowing that and then throwing some more salt down. So you, you can definitely, um, ha- have some contracts with these commercial properties and make some decent money there. But again, you kind of need the steps to, to, to go along or there's steps to get there, phases to get there. So, uh, that's, that's part of why I wanted a commercial property because, it would help give me that year round work. Cause my feeling was, okay, well, if I have, you know, some commercial properties that, ha- you know, all, I think just about every commercial property that I know of around here anyway, my area has some sort of parking lot, big, small, or everything or whatever in between. So that might be a good way for me to step into some, some more snow removal aside from just having snow blowers and attachments for my multi-force and things, which my Toro grandstand multi-force, which come in and great handy for driveways, right? It makes quick work of all my clients' driveways. But again, we never do that unless we get in more than a couple inches, which is very few and far between. Maybe once a year if we're lucky um, for those of us that like to play in the snow and get that snow money. So it's very limited compared to up north. Um, so that means there's just not not a whole lot of other things to do. But So I was hoping that that, that would be a, an entryway to help me. It's like, okay, well, I've got a contract, one, two, three years, whatever it is with this commercial property or properties. And now I can kind of step into um, or I can, you know, upgrade and get a plow and all that kind of stuff because now I can justify because I'm going to be using it, you know, more more than I would for residential. You know, I can I'll definitely be at least throwing salt down throughout the year so I can get a salter and all that you know, and just kind of work my way up to that. So that's, that's one main reason why, um, I was, I have always looked into trying to get commercial properties. Also a big pull for me or a big draw for me is 
over the years, especially when I was first starting out, I paid a lot of attention. I paid a lot of attention to all of the local um, companies, all of the big local companies, um, and, and even like the big national companies. Like at the time, it was Brickman. Now it's Brightview, and but then the you know the bigger local companies that have multiple big trucks and trailers with you know eight man man crews taking care of all the local neighborhoods and um, commercial properties and things like that. And I would just watch and see what they would do throughout the year, especially in the winter, because I had more time to pay attention to that stuff, right? Because I wasn't working as much, especially when I was solo. I wasn't really even worried about it as much or stressed out about it as much. Like, you know, okay, I got to I gotta have enough work for my guys, you know, so I can make, I can generate revenue, make payroll and keep these guys working and all that kind of stuff. Right. That's, that's kind of a thing. I think in a lot of parts of the, of the country and world, potentially it's like, okay, well, when it does slow down, which is typically winter for everyone, unless you're doing snow and have a lot of snow, what, what, what do I do? How do I pay my guys? Do I lay them off? You know, do, do what, what do I do? A, a lot of companies around here that I've interviewed, like bigger companies, they, they go on the red for a few weeks and just continue to pay their guys and only work them once or, you know, uh, like half of 50% less or, or maybe even give them a week or two off of vacation since they're working so hard the majority of the year and don't really get too much time off during those peak times. So they can kind of, they, it's all baked in. They know like, okay, well, and over the winter, I'm going to get like a couple weeks paid vacation. So that's cool, you know, and around the holidays and all that always works out. So there's different things there. Um, I've talked about, like I said, I've talked to other people on the podcast about that. So it's, that, that whole philosophy has kind of been sprinkled about throughout um, all 165 or whatever episodes. But I was thinking about having uh, some more dedicated episodes to talk about that because I I haven't really focused on that. I focused on like staffing, labor, you know, how to get people, how to keep people and and culture and all that kind of stuff. But I never really talked about what what with anyone specifically, um, like for a whole episode, it just might have popped up here and there. But I've never talked about like what what do you do over the winter with your employees, you know, because there are many different things that I've heard and seen. So, you know, so that's obviously another episode potentially down the road, but having a commercial property in my mind helped me, made me think of having, um, potentially more work through in the winter time where I could help keep my employees when I had them, you know, which I do now I've had for many years, but since like the early years, I was thinking about this, like trying to think of the future and be proactive and grow and, you know, how, how can, how can it all work out? And uh, co- commercial properties to me were ways to f- to fill some of those voids and answer some of those questions of, okay, okay I can keep my guys working now uh, throughout the winter and things like that. Because when, like I said, when it was slower over the winter and I didn't have to worry about paying employees and figuring all that out, it was just me, myself and I, and I had winter savings, which I still, I still have it. Um, I would take a, you take a percentage, you know, every month of your deposits and you put that into all kinds of accounts, you know, it's all up to you, but I mean, you should have a taxes account, things like that. Again, (laughs) another episode for another day, but this has been talked about in various forms by many people all all over the years and different uh, platforms here, including my podcast. But you can have all kinds of different, um, you know, uh, um, accounts and things to, to disperse your, your money. You know, if you don't, if you want a, a, a full comprehensive thing about that, uh, details about that, Mike McCallowitz, the author of the profit first plan, just, just Google the profit first plan and his book and all kinds of stuff will come up multiple books and all that kind of stuff. So, 
he's the one that came up with the profit first plan, kind of brought a whole lot of different philosophies together and create his own kind of version of it <clears throat> and called it the profit first plan. So that that's, that's all for, for all the comprehensive details on that. You can, you can check that out. <laughs> uh, not sponsored, but I'm a big fan of Mike McCallowitz. He's a great author, a funny guy. I listen to his, uh, his books all the time and, and all that. So anyway, that's where I got that philosophy from. So I've got all kinds of accounts like for taxes, for winter savings. So this way I have a buffer in case I'm, I don't, cause clearly, you know, I'm not going to make as much revenue in um, December and January as I make in July and August, you know, or June and July uh, I'll say, cause those are like your basic, you know, summer mowing days, you know, with some other things sprinkling and trimming bushes, whatever um, treating yards and all that, you know, I, it, August and, and September, you start getting an aeration and seeding. Now you're really increasing your revenue and all that. But so, you know, it's totally different um, revenue coming in, you know, during those slower months. So in the event that, that we, we need some extra money to get through some of those winter months, those couple of months, that's why I have the winter savings. So I never really had to worry about working necessarily. So I, I have, and so I had a lot more time to be observant and I would see these, these, uh, companies that were taking care of all these commercial properties and I would see what they were doing and when they were doing it. And I could tell how that it seemed like they were just, you know, what I got from the observations was it seemed like they were obviously making things uh, happen according to their schedule and they were kind of spreading things out throughout the year. So like over the winter, they did a lot of pruning, you know, hard pruning, and they started the mulch early, like in February, got all that done. I mean, February is really, January, February are really rough months for us here in central Virginia, December, you're still kind of doing a lot of leaf cleanups and getting everyone's properties up to snuff for the holidays and everything. And you might even still have some final mows or whatever going on or a combination of mulching leaves and cutting grass and just final cleanups and stuff that way too, for the real well manicured yards and so on. Um, so, I mean, December is kind of one of those months where you're, you know, you, you still have a you have less, but you still have a good amount of your regular revenue coming in January, February. That's where it's really tough for us, unless you get a lot, we get a lot of snow and you have some commercial properties. But again, back to my original points. So I would see all these companies spreading mulch in February. You know, they would start with all the hard pruning and getting everything cleaned up. Um, you know, all the liriope and the crepe myrtles, um, you know, monkey, uh, Lariah pea slash monkey grass, the big pampas grass, like the massive versions of, of, um, um, Lariah pea and, and all that. And all, all that kind of like pruning where everything's just dead, you know, and it's like, okay, let's clean all this up. And then we put some fresh mulch down. Um, so that kind of takes up the whole month of February for these, for these, most of these companies, cause they've got a, a lot of commercial properties with sometimes a lot of landscaping areas to maintain and take care of and get back up to snuff before they, they start mowing again in, in March really. Um, but yeah, they try to get it all done. It seems like through February, sometimes it leaks into March and they usually start mowing, you know, real early in March, uh, in March, the first or second week in March, they start mowing these commercial properties. I typically for residential won't start till mid to end of March. Cause most people are, you know, again, it's up to you, right? But you the people are still paying you. So if they're like, can you, can you wait? Or cause sometimes grass isn't growing. But again, that's, that's another comparison is that with commercial, it seems to be that you, that there's more of an expectation of, you know, you lay out what, what they want, what the property management wants you to do throughout the year. And you give them a quote for that. And you, you know, you have a, a monthly set 
uh, rate and they just pay you every month or sometimes every two months or whatever, which is kind of wacky, but, um, you know, they all have their rules and, you know, you just know that you're going to have this reoccurring revenue every month, 12 months out of the year. And you have, and you can kind of spread that work out throughout the year. So that was, that was the main reasons why I really, um, wanted to look into commercial properties because I thought it would be better for me to get more year round work, potentially get into snow removal, uh, if there's parking lots and things and, um, you know, just, just, just have that more kind of consistent, usually you would think more, more revenue, bigger, bigger, uh, business stuff, but the downfall of that. So, you know, those are, those are the, my, were my, pro, my pros of it. My cons now are that, you know, it's not as reliable as you think, meaning, you know, from year to year or contract end to contract end, whether it's two or three year contract or whatever, or it's just yearly, usually those businesses are going to look for the next lowest bidder. Unfortunately, they're, they're, they're obviously a business. So they're trying to save as much money as they can on their expenses. So they're not going to pay a fortune or whatever in their mind for anything, you know, especially the lawn maintenance. That's kind of like the lowest on the, on the totem pole there for, for most places to, uh, to spend their money on. They just want it to be up, to be kept up. You know, they, they potentially might not want any weeds. Um, you know, they obviously want everything to be cut and they want their bushes to, to look ma- managed and trees and everything. They just want it to look well-kept. They don't want it to look overgrown and gross for the customers that are coming in every day in and out and so on, or driving by or whatever. So, but they're not expecting it to spend a fortune. So there's no real loyalty there in comparison to residential. Residential, there's a lot more loyalty. Uh, you know, your residential clients are once once they're happy with your service, they're less likely to go every year or at all. You know, mid year or whatever to go through the effort of trying to find someone else. You know, it's really only when you screw something up or, you know, you're just rubbing them the wrong way or you're rubbing each other the wrong way and you're just not getting along or, you know, whatever that they are like, okay, I need to find a replacement. And, you know, rightfully so. And that's, that's kind of on you, right? Uh, if it's something that you did wrong, you didn't make it right and so on. And sometimes people just aren't good fits. Sometimes they, they start out a good fit or you think they are, and then they, and they end up, you know, not being a good fit and you just have to, you mean make those adjustments, right? You shouldn't have to be stuck with someone that you don't think is a good fit, just like they shouldn't have to be stuck with a company that they don't think is a good fit. So really those are, in my, in my opinion, in my experience, those are the only times that, that residential clients ever leave you is when they, when they're just, you know, there's some stuff has gone down and they're just not happy and they, they just look for, you know, someone else. Occasionally you have those cheapskates that are just, that are going to get more quotes, you know, throughout from from year to year or something, you know, if they see other companies and they're like, hey, these guys are mowing some yards in my neighborhood too. Let me see how much they charge so I can save five bucks or, you know, whatever, which, you know, I've been there, done that too. And honestly, I didn't, I don't want those kind of people anyway, you know, like it, it might, might make me bummed at, bummed out at, at first, you know, like what the heck, you know, they left me to, you know, like they canceled, you know, that stinks. But it's like, if they're just going to the next lowest person just to save a buck or five bucks a cut or something ridiculous, which has happened plenty of times, that's ridiculous and good riddance in my, in my opinion. So the majority of the good clients that you want to get for residential, like I said, are going to be loyal and they're going to be happy. Usually they're not going to complain very much or at all. It's not going to be that, you know, nitpicky or micromanaging. And, you know, you, you have a much better experience and relationship. 
Um, the different, the thing is, you know, you need a lot more of those to, cause they're smaller and they take a lot less time and you're charging a lot less than a big commercial property, for example. So you're going to need a lot more of those to fill up your, your time and to generate the similar revenue that you would with commercial properties. With commercial properties, you could have a handful you know, in, in, in a day or maybe throughout the week, depending if, if they're that big and generate the same amount of revenue as if you had, you know, like 75, you know, uh, residential yards in a week. So, you know, pros and cons there, you know, so that there'd be, there's less people to, to communicate with and, and manage, um, from commercial standpoint, most of the time versus residential, you know, you deal with maybe, 10 to 15 commercial properties in a week if they're that big and, you know, versus 75 properties residential. So there's a lot more potential for broken windows and issues and trying to get squeezing all the work on rain days and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, all these potential, you know, nitpicky people or whatever, you know, messing something up and they're not happy and so on with the commercial properties, there's less, less opportunities. There's only 15 times, you know, that, uh, in that example that you can do that, right? Toro's brand new battery-powered Revolution Series products are changing the lawn care industry. With all-day runtime from the innovative Hypercell battery system, you can expect to power through your entire day, every day. Head to revolution.toro.com to see how Toro is transforming the game with the latest equipment innovations. Or click the link tree in the episode description to get you there fast. Hey guys, the Equip Expo, formerly known as the GIE Plus Expo, will be here before you know it, October 18th through the 21st. It's a great time. I go every year. I've been going for many, many years. It's worth it so in so many ways. All of the outdoor demo areas plus the indoor showroom. Talk to all of the all of your favorite manufacturers and uh, meet new ones, find new ones, and all the networking opportunities. A lot of great events, great food, great times, great educational opportunities as well there. So go ahead and check it out. If you don't know what it is, you can click the link in the episode description there and you can check out all about it as well as register. Uh, you can use my code LCR to save 50% off at any time. But if you register before September 9th, you get the early bird discount, which means with the 50% off, it'll only be $10 per person if you use code LCR. Again, that link is in the episode description. Thanks, guys. Hope to see you there. Sometimes, you know, in some cases like um, HOAs, homeowner associations, those commercial residential type properties where people have zero maintenance or, or maintenance free, whatever, however you want to call it. People live in these houses or townhouses, usually apartments and part of their uh, part of living there is is dues, you know, membership dues to that where they're living and, and they have to pay for it all of that they they pay for the upkeep you know the maintenance whether it be lawn lawn landscape maintenance any kind of other random maintenance issues um you know if they have there's a pool and a clubhouse a lot of times you have access to that and all that so you, you know you pay every month for that um plus whatever else they might add on so those zero those maintenance free people have these lawn maintenance companies taking care of that but the thing is my point is um, where I used to live before we got the house that we live in now there, we, we were renting a townhouse for many years when we first moved here to Virginia from New York, just to get, kind of get our feet in the door and really figure things out and, and f figure out where we really want to live and try and find the right house and all that. 
So I, I also was able to watch, we, we, it was maintenance free and I was able to watch the local large company maintain our area. And my, but my point is there's, I don't even know how many houses were in this section, this maintenance free section. Um, if I had to guess, you know, let's say 50 to a hundred houses. I mean, just on my street, there's probably like 10 or something, you know, but at any rate there, there's, that, that, that's, so in some cases, my point is you might have 75 different townhouses that you're maintaining under one commercial property, right? There's one property manager that you're reporting to or that's that's dealing with you, but they have 75 people that could potentially have random issues, not happy with this. Oh, you know, there's a rut in our yard or, you know, they got grass on my car and they didn't blow it off or it stained it because it was wet or, you know, whatever, like all kinds of stuff. Um, that, that people can complain about, that could be 75 people complaining to the um, property manager and that property manager has to communicate that with you as the owner. So sometimes you still can't get away from that, you know, having 75 people complaining potentially or managing, um, but you're not directly dealing with 75 people. You're direct dealing with one person typically and, you know, and then they have to deal with those 75 people. So it's, it's, it's also kind of still beneficial in that way to have that, to go commercial in that route than just hardcore residential with 75 separate people. So, because you have that buffer in between, <clears throat> it still could be frustrating and challenging, but uh, there's, there's a difference there. So those are, those are some more pros and cons to that too. But going back to scheduling of the services and everything, um, I really, I really like the fact that you, you can just dictate your schedule and do mulch in, in, you know, starting in February and end in March and do pruning, you know, a few times a year, you know, in, in, um, around February. Right. And then in this, in June or July and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, you, you can really dictate, like, it's not like the property manager is saying, Hey, can you sign us up for mulch or, Hey, are you going to, can you start aerating in September or when are you going to do, you know, unless, unless it's like been a while and they're like, man, the bushes are looking crazy. When are you guys going to come out and trim the bushes on blankety blank property, you know? Um, but otherwise they're not going to be as, seemingly demanding or controlling micromanaging as a lot of those homeowners would be the residential properties where they're like, Hey, can you wait till like April to put down fresh, fresh mulch or, you know, starting aerating in August is a little too early. Don't you think it's really hot and dry, you know, or isn't October too late? Like, you know, all, all these things, right? Like, um, do you, do you really need to trim the bushes twice or three times a year? Like all that kind of stuff. Like those are the things because they're in control. Obviously it's their property, but they're the ones that are just kind of being like that, seeing their stuff every day or whatever versus commercial property. The customers that are going to that commercial property have no idea or even care what time of the year you're doing what as a, as a, you know, service provider, you as long as, you know, all, all they know is that it's done. You know, they see the grass is cut and bushes are trimmed and, you know, there's some fresh mulch. But I mean, versus they can also see if the mulch is overgrown with weeds and looks like it hasn't had fresh mulch in five years and the bushes and trees are overgrown. They can't really park in certain spots because the trees or branches are all hanging all over the parking lot and stuff like, you know, that the weed slash grass is overgrown and, and they don't want to walk through it like. They, they, they notice those things. They notice what is done and what isn't done from a customer's perspective when they're walking in and out of the place of business. But they, they don't 
they don't know or care when you're getting it done, right? And the property manager usually doesn't either. As long as it gets done, if you tell them we do this then, like they're paying for it either way. They're paying for it either way. It's all in the package. It's all in the contract. So who cares when you do it as long as it gets done like in a timely fashion, like when it needs to get done, right? Before it gets out of control. Like, hey, the bushes are they need to be trimmed. All right, well, oh, here they come. They're coming next week. Are they are they already here trimming it? Like <clears throat> as long as they know you give them your schedule and they know when you're coming and, and and you do and you do and you get it done then that's all they care about they don't care about when um so but that's different from residential because people really just want to dictate when they feel like they want to get their money's worth and all this kind of stuff i guess and they're just like you know hey uh, you know they I, I still to this day don't know why people wait till the last possible minute to get mulch i don't know why people wait till april or may <clears throat> when it starts to get really hot around here to put in fresh mulch. It's like, why are you, I, I guess it's the only thing I can think of, and maybe this is the common sense answer, like, duh, but, you know, they're just trying to make the mulch stay as fresh as possible longer, right? Like, if you put the mulch on in February, now that's several months of it kind of, like, fading and drying out, you know, but if, if you if you use good quality mulch, it's usually going to last the entire season before it gets starts getting faded out and looking like, it, you know, it's old and needs to be re- uh, replaced or, you know, freshened up or whatnot. But I guess just, you know, people, homeowners are come from all over the place and they have all kinds of background experiences and knowledge. And so many of them think they know everything and they're, you know, they got the green thumb and that, you know, they know more than you and all this stuff. So it's really hard to, to compete with that sometimes. Sometimes I don't even deal with those kind of people and say, Hey, I don't think I'm the company for you, or maybe you should just keep doing it yourself or whatever, since you're a pro, all that kind of stuff. But so the, the, those people, so all those people all mixed together are, can can potentially drive you crazy just from a scheduling standpoint because you're just trying to get everyone together, trim all the bushes a certain time of year, put the mulch in a certain time of year, and not have this stuff sporadically spread out all over the place. Um, and 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 that's that's what ends up happening if you allow them to have all the control. Your residential customers or clients, I mean, having all that control. So. <clears throat> Even though I, you know, didn't have commercial properties at the time and I don't now, I did at one point, I'll get into that in a second and in a couple of minutes, but, um, I wanted to implement some of that, you know, I thought to myself and I I have dedicated an episode to this, I believe, I don't recall which one it is right off the top of my head, but back in the archives, they're talking about dictating your own schedule and and things like that. But I, I did talk about how, um, I started implementing these things and telling, you know, emailing all of my clients, you know, weeks or month in advance, like, hey, we're going to be, you know, not hey, but, you know, like whatever little formalities, hope you had a nice whatever, hope, you know, blah, 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 whatever it is, you know, hope you enjoy the holidays and so on. You know, now we're, we're going to be uh, doing, putting down fresh mulch starting in February and we'll be done, you know, beginning to middle of March or when grass season starts, when the grass starts growing and we have to start mowing. So, if you're interested, please sign up, get on our list as soon as possible so we can get you scheduled, you know, in the, in the next few weeks or whatever, for example. And, and then I did the same, do the same thing uh, for shrub trimming um, throughout the year. And I do the same thing for um, aeration in the fall and leaf season as well. And I just started, you know, I started with one um, service at a time and, and as it became more and as it worked better and better and I got better uh better and bigger response, you know, I'm like, man, I'm just gonna do this with all of my services. You know, like I I tell people when we're going to start mowing and when we stop mowing, why can't I do the same thing with all the other services that we offer? Like, why do I have to, in the past, I would just 
just, you know, stick with the mowing and the fertilizing and, and all that. Tell everyone what that schedule is. And all the other stuff was kind of a la carte, which it still is. But I mean, I would let them, um, I would just let them contact me and say, hey, can can we get some mulch? Can you give us a quote for mulch? Or are you doing mulch this year? Can we get some? And it'd be like April or, or May or something. And I'm like, man, and then I'm trying to squeeze that in, in between all of the mowing and everything. And, uh, you know, it, when I was solo, it was really challenging. And even with employees, it still is challenging because, you know, you're usually filling up your schedule. It's all relative. You know, if I could do 40, you know, accounts by myself, 40 lawns getting mowed by myself in a week, you know, now we can do like 80, you know, with one or two employees or, or whatever. So all hypothetically, right. Depending on sizes and, and locations, but so you're still going to be just as busy. So it's still hard to squeeze that stuff in, but when we're not mowing, we have all this extra time. So that's why I try to fill it up with mulch and get all that out the way, for example. So I started changing, restructuring that whole system. So now that's what we do every year, every year we have, you know, our window, you know, we, we do mulch this time to this time. We do, you know, bushes the, this month, you know, these months out of the year, we do um, aeration from this time of this time, you know, leaves this time of this time, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'll, uh, allow people to let me know if they're interested and then I get them on the schedule and I let them know, you know, the start and stop time, because this way people still do either they didn't get the email or they, they, they didn't get the email in time or at all or whatever. And then they just contact me like at the end of March, you know, or the beginning of April. And they're like, hey, I just got your email or sorry, I didn't respond to your email. Is it too late to get mulch? And I'm, and I'm usually like, yes, it is. Unfortunately, sorry about that. But we're busy into the mowing season now. And as you guys listening in here know, the beginning of mowing season is always a tough start because you're just getting back in the swing of things, getting that muscle memory back, trying to get your body back and muscle, your, your mow muscles back, right? And get, get in that shape and... Um, and, and, and the grass is usually tall and wet and thick and overgrown. And unless you can really get a good jump on it, which is something else I try to do now and start really kind of before the grass needs to be, that's another thing I, I used to wait for people to tell me like when they thought it was time to start mowing and it would always be like really late. It'd be like, you know, halfway into April or something. So now I lost out on weeks of revenue and the grass is super tall, thick and crazy. And I'm triple cutting it. And it's ridiculous, and I wouldn't even charge people extra for that. So now it's it's a whole another game. Now we start when I want to start, which is usually mid March, depending on you know. Sometimes we still have some snow or colder weather, and it's like, well, that's pointless. But we still start doing some dethatching and spring cleanups now, early before the lawns really start to need to be mowed, like a week or so prior, and then we start mowing as early as possible. So even if we're only cutting off you know, a half an inch of grass. Well, that's the goal. That's what you want to be doing. You only want to cut a third of the grass blade off at a time anyway. So if we can get a jump out, a jump on it right out the gate, then, you know, we don't have to worry about double and triple cutting. It's still going to be that wacky week. Even when you start early, you're still going to have, you know, a week or two where it's just raining all the time because it's spring and that's how it goes. And the grass is just popping off and you're just going to have to double cut some stuff and you can charge more or not just depends on how you, you know, what, what your setup is for that. Uh, typically if it's, you know, if, if it's not something that me or the client did and we've been on top of it and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, it just jumped out, you know, one week because of all the extra rain and the, and the temperatures really got nice and warm and the grass is doing its, doing its thing. You know, I, I don't usually upcharge people for, you know, a, a one week, you know, one week out of the, spring season that we had to double cut, for example, or something. I just kind of, I just, I'm like, whatever, because 
at the end of the day, over the summer, we're going to be blowing through those yards a lot faster and getting done a lot quicker, getting our day done earlier, being more profitable, less trimming and edging and cutting off less grass because, you know, everything's going to slow down in the summer with the heat and it's not going to be raining as much. It's going to be dry and so on. So it, it kind of balances out in that way. So unless it's excessive and I'm doing it week after week and it's like in the, in the earlier days when people would call me and, and or, or tell me when to start and it was really late, you know, that's a whole different story. It's like, okay, are you calling me, you know, like a month into the mowing season to get, to get a quote and, and you haven't cut the lawn and it's like super overgrown. Now it's like, okay, well, you know, we need to, we need an overgrown cut fee here to get you back in shape. And then we can have our regular weekly, weekly cut, you know, price and all that. But so that's, that's a whole bunch of that stuff. But ultimately, like I said, it, I just, I implemented all of the, the scheduling, keeping the scheduling the way that I want it to be as much as possible. Again, so like I said, people still will contact me after the fact, say, oh, did I miss out? And I usually say yes. Uh, because it's usually too late and, and I want to stay strict with my schedule. And that kind of trains and, and programs my my clients to kind of know the deal and what to expect um, year after year. And, and it's unfortunate if they, you know, have to, if, if they really need mulch, right there and they, and they miss the boat for me, they're going to find it somewhere else. And hopefully they don't decide to, to do other things with them too and cancel me. But if that's what happens, unfortunately, that's what happens. My business model is going to be different than that person, than that company's business model where they just, yeah, Hey, someone calls me for this. I'm just going to come do it. Like it, you know, some companies can do that. They have a separate landscaping crews or enhancement crews, and then they have the, the mowing maintenance crews and things, and they can kind of, you know, swap things around and, and pop in and do all these different services when, whenever it is upon a request outside of like their regular clients. If a new person contacts them and they get a quote and they're like, yeah, can you just, and they can just come out and do it. For me, if someone contacts me in June and because they just moved in or something, they need all this random cleanup and work to be done outside of just mowing and fertilizing and treating the weeds and whatnot, you know, usually I'm going to refer that kind of work. I'm going to say, hey, I can do all the lawn maintenance for you and get everything up to snuff. But as far as all these overgrown bushes and weeds in the mulch beds and fresh mulch and, you know, maybe you got dead stuff to rip out and when you want to plant new things, like that's a whole nother category. Here's some referrals. They could take care of you and I could take care of your lawn maintenance. Sometimes people just want a one-stop shop. So they're like, no, that's good. Thanks. We're going to try to keep looking and find someone that can do it all. I get it. It is what it is, but I have to stay, stay true to my plan, my goal, my services, you know, that, that stuff, changes from time to time, right? You make, you pivot a little bit and you adjust things, add a service, subtract a service. Sometimes things aren't working out anymore or never worked out to begin with and so on. So that's part of business and part of you owning your own business, making those decisions. Don't leave yourself stuck doing something that's going to make you miserable or not profitable and all that. But like I said, I have to stick to, you know, what, what, what I want to do or currently at this time, you know, at the time that these people contact me. So uh, I did, like I said, I did have one commercial property and, um, I, you know, I just got it by default. Like I, I tried to market to different commercial properties, you know, I would find ones that were kind of smallish, you know, little office buildings, things like that. I wasn't looking for a Walmart or anything like that because I was, you know, solo slash one or two part-time guys um, and things like that. So I didn't want to get, you know, carried away with myself, one truck, one trailer and, and all that. So I looked for more manageable things, things that I could even do by myself um, if I had to, you know, whether it took me four or five hours by myself or not. Um, 
that's what I looked for. And I would try to, you know, I would find the owner or managers or whatever and introduce myself, give them business cards and things. And I, I never heard back from any of those people. Uh, either they either they were doing it themselves or had like their, you know, kids or somebody, uncle or somebody was doing it, um, you know, or, or they, they already had another another company doing it and they were on a contract or whatever. So none of that stuff ever came through, but you never get anything if you don't try, right? So I was all... Every year, just kind of like usually in the winter time when I had more time and things were slower and there wasn't a whole lot of moan going on, you know, I would, I would kind of bop into these different places around the area and, and, and try to do that. That's, you know, that's, that's what you got to do sometimes. Um, in addition to having yourself out there, marketing, SEO, search engine optimization, like websites, Facebook, Google My Business, all that stuff. So that if those companies are looking for someone and they, you know, do a Google search, hopefully you come up as an option for them to contact and say, Hey, do you, you know, can you give us a quote for our commercial property or do you do commercial properties, things like that. So that's, uh, um, so the, so the one commercial property I got, they actually live in a neighborhood that we take care of. And I guess they were just, you know, following me one day, you know, they were, we were leaving at the same time and they were behind me or whatnot. They were just driving behind me and they just saw all my contact information on the back of my trailer. And they, you know, they reached out to me later that day or had had someone else, I think, had, you know, one of their employees or something reach out to me. And they, they have a, a had and still have a daycare. But it was all the way on the other side of town, which was frustrating. Uh, but it was a nice, manageable property. If I had to do it myself, it took almost an entire day. Um, but I, I did it from time to time, unfortunately. Uh, but when it was, you know, two, depending on how many guys, you know, just me and one guy or me and two guys, you know, we can get it done in, in two to three hours um, at, at the most. And that, that was all well and good in the beginning. I was really excited. Like, wow, I have my, I got my first commercial property. It's, it's a decent property. Like if you know, you know, like a lot of times daycares are not in the best shape and it's like, what am I even doing? Am I just kind of, you know, blowing rocks around, kind of cleaning up gravel off the driveway, like, you know, trimming a couple of high spots here and there. Like, what am I even doing? Like, um, this one was nice. There was a lot to, lot to mow, a lot to take care of. And it kept us busy throughout the year, but not overwhelmed, you know, just the right amount of bushes, right about a mall, right about right amount of, um, bushes and mulch and, plenty of grass to cut every week and things like that. So it was definitely regular income, had a decent sized parking lot. They asked me if I did snow removal one year and I, it was just not something that I had, wasn't going to jump into as soon as I got that property. So I said, no, and gave him some referrals, but it was something I thought about, Hey, maybe this is my opportunity. Like I said earlier in this episode to start diving into, um, you know, upgrading my, my, my equipment for some snow stuff. And then if I get any more commercial properties, I'll be ready to go. Um, but that never happened because the, the biggest challenge, like I said, it was all the way on the other side of town. And um, I, I just, it, it, it ended up being a real pain to fit, to fit it in um, to my regular schedule. Uh, another issue was they were open like 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. or something. And, and originally they never, well, they just still in general, they never wanted me or anyone to come take care of their lawn you know, during opening hours, right? Because they've got kids outside playing usually in one of the many play outdoor play areas that we have to maintain. There's lots of grass and weeds to cut and 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 trim and clean up. Um, and then there's always cars in the parking lot and people coming and going, dropping their dropping and picking up their kids, dropping off, picking up their kids, all that. So they they just wanted to minimize that. 
you know, any kind of potential issues, damage or whatever. And, and, and I get that. But I mean, to me, it was the same as a residential property in that in that regard. I mean, there's always people walking their dogs and cars in the driveway and on the street and driving by and, you know, customers and clients coming out to talk to you, neighbors coming over to talk to you, asking for quotes. I mean, there's always stuff you have to be careful of, right? It's not like we can just haphazardly cut grass and have it flying everywhere and not and, and trim an edge and not worry about rocks busting out windows. I mean, it's the same thing. So we would have the exact same mentality um, for the commercial properties and, and the commercial properties are so much more spread out and have more space typically that there's a lot, it's a lot easier for you to corral where the grass is going and, you know, making sure you're not flinging rocks, you know, at anything that's going to hurt people or break windows and stuff like that. So I never really fully got it. Like I understood why they thought that way, but I mean, I'm like, you know, we're careful period. So why would this be any different? Um, but anyway, that was their thing. And I went with that for like a whole year and it was super annoying because, you know, I could only come on the weekend and they said that's when, when anyone ever comes, but they weren't happy with the last company. And so that's why they were looking for someone new. And it's just one of those things that just got, got old quick. It, it really did happen to work every Saturday morning. And my plan was, all right, well, maybe my, my, my ultimate plan is, you know, whenever I can finally get a good crew leader, you know, we can like alternate the Saturday. So this way it's not, it's not me or them always working every Saturday morning. Cause there's times where I want to do something with my family over the weekend, especially in the summer, you know, we want to go out of town for, for the day or just like start our day early on Saturday and go out of town just for that one day and do something and come back. And it was a real pain. We had to wait till later in the afternoon when we were done, you know, when I was done working, drop the guys off and we all worked a half a day on Saturday and they might've thought it was fine because they got paid and whatever, but sometimes they might want, might have want to have plans too, and they need to switch with somebody or whatever. And it just got more, there's more challenges trying to work every Saturday morning than just squeezing in during the week. And no matter how many times I tried, they just didn't like try to communicate with them. They just never budged with, um, can I just come like early one morning, you know, during the week, or can I come, you know, at the end of the day, um, uh, one, you know, uh, one day during the week or, or any time, is there any time during the, during the day, on any specific day during the week, like, like on a Monday, you know, our Mondays blank days and from 12 to one, no kids are outside. Like, is, is that a thing? Cause I mean, we can do the out cause they are mostly concerned about the inside because of course the kids, um, the, you know, the inside play areas, you know, the outside, outside of the, the facility parking lots and sidewalks and all those common areas, they weren't as concerned about, you know, we're going to be careful. We're not going to break windows as much as we can try anyway, on purpose anyway, you know, and so on and so on. So it was just really one of those things where it, it just, it, they, 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 there wasn't apparently ever a time that, that that was the case. So ultimately I just kind of gave him an ultimatum and said, I'm not going to be able to service your property next year, you know, next year or whatever it was, or any more this year or something. I think, I think it was like, cause I started the second year and, and didn't want to, and then I was having staffing issues, which made it even worse. So I was stuck doing it by myself and taking the entire Saturday to do it. So it was just going from bad to worse for that too. And just really made it more of an eye opening situation of how inconvenient this is for me, uh, to, to do this. So, you know, I think it was midsummer. I told them, you know, I'll, I'll give you till the end of the month or till next month until you can hopefully find someone else to replace me, but I can't take care of your, your, your property anymore. And, you know, she legitimately asked, is it, you know, it, it's like, then it became like an actual, 
uh, issue. Like all of a sudden she cared more about the whole time when, when we can come. And it was like, Oh, what can, if we can find a time during the week for you to come, can you, can you continue taking care of our property or, or, or no, or you just can't, that's, that's, you know, there's more than just that or whatever. And, and I said, you know, begrudgingly for whatever reason I said, you know, yeah, if, if we can, cause, cause to me it was like, Oh, finally, at least now we can, you know, if I'm finally getting, getting kind of my way a little bit now, like they finally actually care. Like after all this time, a year and a half. And it's like, yeah, if we can find a time during the week, that would be helpful. I think is basically what I said. So we found a day, whatever day it was, if we came early in the morning, you know, we can, whatever, like, seven in the morning is the earliest we can start because the noise ordinance anyway here in, in our county, Chesterfield County. So if we get there and start up by 7 a.m., then we can bang out the, the inside first, you know, before it gets too busy and hectic with kids. And then they can let them all outside and, and while we finish up the outside. And that's all fine. So that's what we did. I think it was like every Monday we did that. Two things. One, that really started uh, that's that that got old quick too because or that the novelty of that wore off because I don't know if they would you know I know that she was eventually going through staffing issues too so I don't know if that was part of the reason where there was lack of communication like hey the people the the lawn company is coming um, every Monday morning and they do the inside first so make sure they're done before you let the kids out and play you know what I mean just hold them back for a little bit longer you know make them read or something for you know, 30 more minutes or whatever the heck it is and let them finish up inside before you let them out because it wasn't very long, you know, however many weeks or so into doing that, that there'd randomly be kids playing around out. We'd get there and there'd already be kids, you know, like outside in the play areas playing. And we're like, oh my gosh. And we'd have to, can you bring the kids back in? And, you know, it got really annoying. I mean, one time, sometimes we'd be in the middle of mowing and they would let the kids out. We're like, what in the world? Like we could have just blasted these kids in the face with grass or a rock or something. And we haven't had no idea because they're not even supposed to be here. You just let them come running out. Like they're like, literally it was like, <laughs> I know this sounds bad, but it was like, they're wild animals. Like they, they let them out and they all come running over to us. Like, Oh my gosh, look at this. What's going on? Like, like what in the world? Like they're like caged animals running up to us. Sometimes we'd be on the other side of the fence, you know, working too. And they'd run up to the fence and be like hanging on the fence. Sometimes literally, sometimes the kids would be climbing up the fence and I'm over there trying to trim the weeds. And they're like, hi, what are you doing? What is that? What are you doing? And I'm like, oh my gosh, these kids need a lot of stimulation. <laughs> this is like, I'm not here for this. I am, I am not signed up for this, but it was just comical and, and frustrating sometimes, you know, you're like, we're trying to get this done and get out of here. And you're just not, you're not following the rules that we came up with. So again, ultimately that just got old. And the second thing is that carries into my other pros and cons that I forgot to mention is the equipment. You know, it wasn't grass by any means. It was nothing but weeds and, you know, a lot of just debris and things. And ultimately, my point is it would it would kind of destroy the mower blades and the deck um, after that. So I had to have like two mowers basically with us that day because we'd use one mower just for that property and then the, the other mower for the nicer residential properties so that we can just go on those properties with a nice, clean, fresh mower with fresh blades and all that and knock out that day's worth of work 
well, that's all fine and dandy when you got a big old trailer like I, I have, but I converted to the ramp rack, which again is other episodes in the archives um, and on my YouTube channel for all the details on what that is. But it's, it's, it's a ramp that's attached it is more than this, but basically it's a ramp that's attached to your truck, your truck bed so that you can ride your mowers, push your mowers up on, into your truck bed. And you don't have to pull a trailer. So it's a lot more easy. It's a lot easier, more convenient, more efficient, more profitable and all that for me and my lawn maintenance business and a lot of folks. It's, it's becoming very popular as well. Um, so, But you can only fit so many mowers in there, you know, and, and for your daily setup, it's fine. But when you're now trying to do multiple things, it gets complicated. You can only fit so much in the bed of your truck. I have an eight-foot truck bed, so I've got the, the biggest one, longest one you can have, but it still it can only fit so much in there. So that became a problem, not being able to fit everything in there just to be able to do this commercial property in addition to the residential. So the other thing about that is ultimately what, what my – solution or what my uh, opinion is, is if I were to be able, or if you're able, and I know a lot of this, is what a lot of people do, they have a separate crew or a separate day to take care of their commercial properties because combining them with their same residential properties in the same day makes it challenging for a lot of reasons, which is like, which main, a main one I just mentioned is equipment and all that. Um, you know, you almost kind of need different equipment for that, or at least you need to clean and change the blades for the equipment that you used. And that's just going to mess up your whole flow for the day. So you really need to separate that out. And I wasn't able to do that. Uh, I just, I wasn't, and still am not able to. So that's why, plus the frustrations of them not communicating properly and not following what we said so that we can come in a Monday morning, get it knocked out and move on. They're having the kids run around like crazy and it was just a mess. So I, I ultimately just had to get rid of them at the end of the season. I'm like, sorry, it's still not working out. I'm, you know, it, it's, I just have to stick with residential for now. You know, hopefully, you know, you'll be able to find someone over the winter to start you off back in the spring and so on. So, you know, that, that was finally it. No more, you know, dealing with them anymore. Um, hopefully there was no hard feelings and so on. Uh, so now I'm a hundred percent residential and I'm going to stay that way as long as I can or need to. I mean, I'm not against commercial. I still think there's a place for it. I still think it's good to have, but it's hard to do kind of like I said, with route density, um, the, however many episodes ago, not too long ago, it's hard to have a bunch of rural weedy yards mixed in with resident, you know, like the, the, um, like HOA cookie cutter, you know, subdivision type neighborhood yards. You almost need different mowers and, um, you know, it's just, it's just almost a different setup and they're usually spread out far from each other. So you're doing extra driving in that situation as well, driving from one part of town to an, to another to take care of these different types of properties. So it's the same kind of thing. I had to drive all the way out of my way to go to this commercial property and, you know, deal with the kids and people not listening to what they were supposed to be doing to make it easier for us to get it done quick and out of there and having to have different equipment and or messing up the equipment and then having to go back all the way back over to the right side of town to take care of our, our residential properties. It, it just got real tedious. So I, I would have to have a separate crew or at least a separate day that we took care of. And again, we can't dedicate a day for one, you know, one uh, commercial property that only takes us two, three hours either. So it's like, okay, well, I need to get more. And so that, so it's, it's a different kind of bag of worms, a different dynamic there. It's almost like you're starting a part of your business all over again with commercial um, or if you're all commercial and you're trying to dabble in residential, it's basically the same thing. You know, you're now you're trying to 
uh, restructure things for that. So th- those are all my pros and cons for that. I, I will end this off short and sweet, um, this part short and sweet anyway, 56 minutes into the episode. But um, I, I did, uh, I started to talk about credit cards and things like that. The, the other, or wanted to, the other part of commercial versus residential is is the way they take payments. Um, I'm huge of having credit cards on file. That's my thing now. Every new client and now all the old clients have credit card on file. We charge their cards at the at the beginning of the month from the previous month's work and so on. Um, but a lot of commercial properties aren't down with that. They they have when it comes to to that they have their own rules. Like these are our payment terms. Like every thirty days or every ninety days or you know whatever. And, and you get a check. And you know they they they're usually all good about paying. It's just they pay when they want to pay. Like we pay every 30 day or every 60 days or, you know, every 90 days and, you know, you get months worth of revenue, you know, and one big fat check and you get it in the mail, but it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's the cash flows tied up for a lot longer than, you know, residential, um, monthly or, you know, biweekly or weekly, even in some cases, whatever you want to do for, for your business for residential. And you can just charge your card and be done with it and not wait for a check and then have to go deposit it and all that. So you can't really implement that whole thing that I'm about to say, or about to go into a little bit more with commercial. So that's, that's a little bit of an issue too, with payments. You're doing all this work, you're getting paid a lot more, but you're not getting it as paid as frequently, um, with that situation. So, but when it comes to residential, what I've found, I've tried all kinds of things. I've tried, I mean, checking the mail is the worst thing in the world because it ties up your cash flow and people forget and, you know, all that we've had all kinds of jokes about. It. I know Paul Jameson, the Green Industry Podcast, has talked about it and laughed about it a lot, made jokes about it, you know, cash and check in the mail, checks in the grill, all these real life examples in a little Ziploc bag under the doormat, in the grill, whatever. We, we've we've all been there, done that, I think, in some some way or another, myself included, but now um, I have a credit card on file and I charge their card. What I think is the best way, though, to be honest, because there's all these different ideas and speculation and all that stuff. The biggest thing I think is um, prepay. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, just do prepay, prepay. That's the way because you're getting paid before you do the work. That makes sense. That's great. That's awesome. But you're still chasing the money. You're still not getting paid until you get paid, right? Yes, you're not doing the work for free, but you're still trying to get people to pay you. So if, but if you have a credit card on file, then you can just charge their card. So I think prepay with a credit card on file is, is the best answer. I have not um, set up prepay yet. I'm not even sure how to do that with the software that I use. So I have to really figure that out. Um, and that's just one of those things I've, I've implemented so many new things over the years. I'm trying to pace it. I'm, you know, um, stagger it. I don't want to just hit, hit my clients with all these new things and, and maybe lose a bunch of them because it's just too much or whatever. So I've been trying to layer these new things in over the years as I learn them and realize that things need to change. So I have credit cards on file now, everyone that was, that was the most recent thing that I did this season that before the season started uh, and raise my rates and all kinds of stuff. But the next thing you need to do is prepay because I think that is the best way because then you're not waiting. I mean, granted, you know, it's kind of, it's, 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 it's either, either one, right? You're either getting paid the month before or the month after, 
Um, so you're getting, you're starting off the season getting paid er, sooner than working for a month and then getting paid. So there's that philosophy. You're getting paid before you do the work and then, and, and, or you're getting paid after you do the work. I think technically I feel personally, if you get paid before you do the work, then you can't get burned because even having a credit card on file, this has happened to me recently. It's really aggravating and it happens every once in a blue moon because just having a credit card on file does not guarantee anything because their card could be declined or better yet, they could just take their card off file. Like they could cancel service and remove their card and not pay you. And now you, now you're over here dealing with this nonsense all over again. Hey, can you pay your bill? Hey, I'm gonna have to take it to claims court. Like all this nonsense just to get however many hundreds of dollar, you know, bill paid off for some, for some lawn maintenance or something, you know, it's super annoying. So, you know, but if you do prepay, then you haven't even done the work yet. So you're not out anything. So if they randomly just, uh, you know, if they, this, if their car is declined, for example, or they remove their card before you even do the work and you can't charge them, it's like, Hey, we're not going to be able to do any of the work because your card won't go through your cards declined or you remove the card. So, you know, we're not going to be able to do anything. You know, that's, that's, uh, you know, that, that saves that whole situation versus waiting till the end of the month and go to charge a card It's declined or they remove it conveniently and you didn't notice it. And now you just did a month's worth of work and you can't get paid for it. And now you're trying to chase, chase your money. So I think that's the best way. Um, there's, like I said, you know, you can have people pay you by check and all kinds of stuff. But the, the best way I feel is a credit card on file. And so many people have jumped on board with this now in our industry and feel the same way. But prepay is probably what I think is the only real solution to get paid. Ultimately, people are still going to find a way to screw you if that's what they want to do. But I think this dramatically uh, reduces, if not almost completely eliminates working for free, right? Working and not getting paid because if you have a credit card on file and you prepay for the month that you're going before it starts, before you do the work, now you got paid before you even do the work. So if something happens with that card and you can't get paid, well, you haven't done the work yet. And now you just have to go through the whole deal with trying to get paid, you know, like, Hey, we're not going to cut your, your grass until, you know, till, till you put a credit card on file or until you give, have a card that doesn't get declined and so on. So I think that's what works the best, um, and I just wanted to add that into this topic because it, it is part of the pros and cons for me of commercial versus residential. You know, the commercial won't don't don't always uh, use credit card payments or want that um, based on whatever their systems and everything processes that they have. Versus residential, they're they're a lot more open to that, and you know you can you can set up prepay and all that other stuff that I set so. That's all I got for this episode. Good over an hour worth. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> hope it was a lot of uh, value there. I know there's a lot of rabbit holes, but they were all relevant. And I just was going on and on real deep and fired up this morning trying to get all this out for you guys. So I really appreciate you listening as always. Thank you to the Toro Company for sponsoring the LCR Media Podcast. And until the next episode, this is the Lawn Care Rookie signing off. This has been an LCR Media and Mr. Producer production. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.